Welcome to episode 013, When Trauma Becomes Your Trip Up. Welcome to the She's Marked Podcast. I'm Hannah, and I'm honored to be your host along this journey to stronger faith, holiness, emotional restoration and healing, and deliverance for the millennial woman. Join me as we press toward unpacking the heavy luggage of our hearts in pursuit of a life that is distinct, set apart, and built on the practical foundation of God's truth. She is walking in power. She is walking in freedom. Without a doubt, all will know that she's marked. Listeners, welcome to the She's Mark podcast. My name is Hannah, and I'm so honored to be your host and your partner along this journey to emotional restoration and healing, holiness, and righteous living for women. Today, we are going to be talking about a hot topic called trauma. Trauma is a real thing. For many of you, you probably have experienced some sort of trauma in your lifetime, you maybe have lived through traumatic experiences. Maybe you're going through a traumatic experience right now. And if you have been blessed and fortunate enough to not have gone through any trauma, there is always a chance that you can experience some sort of trauma in this lifetime as a human being. So today we are not specifically going to be talking about the various types of trauma and how we come to experience traumatic events, but we are going to talk about something that I think is equally important in addition to getting the necessary help to overcome trauma. We are going to be talking about when trauma becomes your trip up. All right, ladies, let's get into this topic of trauma. Let me start with a moment of vulnerability. So at the beginning of this year, I took the time to start drafting my content calendar for 2022. And I began to think about all the different things that I wanted to blog about. And so I got the first few months knocked out. So I knew several months ago, or excuse me, I knew, well, we're moving into March. I knew a couple months ago in January that I wanted to talk about trauma this month. And I wanted the topic to be when trauma becomes your trip up. And I have to be honest with you guys. I began to struggle with talking about this topic and not because of the fact that I've never experienced trauma. I have experienced quite a bit of trauma in my own life, but I began to become gripped by what you all might think or say, and you all meaning my listeners, whomever the listeners would be. And so I talked in December about compromise and the fear of man. So the things that I share and try to encourage and uplift you all with, I too walk through those valleys. And I literally had a moment where I stumbled in even recording this. This is actually my second take recording this because I started to question all the things that I already knew I wanted to talk about. I already felt led and prompted to talk about. And I began to say, well, okay, I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm not a licensed therapist. And oh my goodness, maybe I need to learn a little bit more about trauma-informed care and trauma-informed therapy. And I started to, to, to wrestle with all these things. And before you knew it, I started to feel dry. 
I literally began feeling dry. And the more I contemplated, the more I navigated away from scripture and I started to have paralysis by analysis, I started having less and less to say. Listen, here's the point. We are one in a billion. We're one in billions of people and we're one in gazillions of human beings who have walked the face of the earth. No one person is going to be able to speak from the viewpoint of everyone. You're not going to be able to speak from a viewpoint that logically encompasses everything, every possible situation that people have lived through and walked through. And that is okay. The Lord may have given you a specific message for a specific group. So you go with it. And I am talking to myself, Hannah, go with it and speak the truth of the Lord. So I want to talk today about when trauma becomes your trip up. I realize that I struggle at times with speaking uh, speaking truth or, or, or speaking on things that I feel very convicted about in my own walk because I grew up, part of the trauma that I grew up with was mental and emotional and it was fear. I mean, fear, okay? Huge amounts of fear that began to alter my behavior in that I would walk on eggshells, I would feel out the environment, and I would then try to take control of the environment by acting accordingly so that people would stay happy, people would remain peaceful, and all sorts of things. So I recently watched a movie, and in this movie, there was a family, I want to say it was a family of four, two children, mom and dad, and the father was in the military. He was actually a chaplain, and he got drafted to go to war. This was his first time being away from his family. And he was generally a very upbeat person filled with faith and the optimism of the Lord and everything that you could think of. And so some of the fellow soldiers that he was drafted with, they had already been in this position before. They had been through war and their outlook on life reflected that. And so he came into the picture, you know, offering a lot of encouragement and faith and optimism, and he couldn't quite relate to or understand where they were coming from, and they couldn't really relate to or understand where he was coming from. But before you know it, while they were on their mission, the bombs started going off overhead and things got really bad really fast. And he began to see death in front of him, people that he loved and was very fond of, his friends, his colleagues, they were killed. Some of them had limbs that were amputated. There was actually a young man who he had baptized. And within a week, the young man was was dead. He was another soldier and he was dead. And so During this time, his wife would call. They would be able to talk every now and again. And she began to notice that his disposition was changing. He was not this positive, upbeat person. Their conversations became very short, very curt, very cold. And so she began to feel worried and concerned because one, she's here in the United States and she's raising the children and she's going through that level of stress, but now her husband is turning into someone different and their connection is deteriorating. So his mission ends, he returns back home and it is evident after a couple weeks that 
something is wrong. Before you know it, he's yelling in the home. She's noticing that he's not praying. He's not reading his Bible. He's screaming at her. He's screaming at the children. Then it escalates to him breaking things, using foul language, everything that you could think of. And so one day it hit a fever pitch. And with pain and tears in her eyes, she told him that he had to get out. And so she also said, you have to get help. And that is the piece that I want to talk about today. We have no control over what happens to us in this life. However, we do have control over what we choose to do about it. The official definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience or emotional shock following a stressful event or a physical injury. That's the official definition of trauma. In short, I'd like to add a personal definition to trauma as one's disbelief and disappointment over the disregard. Maybe it was the disregard for your well-being or your position or role. Maybe it was the disregard for human life or a sacred connection. Maybe it was the disregard for vows made or the disregard of innocence and trust. Maybe even still, it was the disregard of how another person's actions or inaction would impact you. Trauma can alter your identity. It can alter your behavior. Naturally so, right? It can alter those things. But what happens when trauma becomes your trip up? Trauma becomes our trip up when and only when it becomes an idol. We're not called or expected to be inhumane. If we are poked with a needle, it will hurt no matter how righteous or unrighteous we are. When we are sinned against, when we face trials, when we're caught in the crossfire, when we're harmed or have had things stripped away from us, we feel. If you look in the Bible, Job felt, David felt, Elijah felt, Rebecca felt, Jonah felt, Paul felt. These people walk through real life tragedies. They struggled with suicidal thoughts. They struggled with depression. They struggled with fear. Some of these people were on the run for their lives. These people made really bad mistakes as a result of their trauma. They questioned, they wondered, but there was a part of them that remained faithful to the requirement of God as they had to walk through these tumultuous paths, through these tumultuous journeys. And God, yet and still in his grace, gave the guidelines on how they were to respond and move forward and live after trauma. Can we just start there? Life is available after trauma. I'm not talking about how easy this will come. I'm not talking about how quickly it will come, but I am talking about the possibility. The word says that with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I remember in the throes of trauma, when I had those nights where I literally did not know how I was going to get through the next day, when I just wanted to disappear, I didn't want to be seen anymore. I didn't want to move forward. I needed to be reminded in those moments that with God, all things are possible. Life does not end and it does not have to end because of trauma. Again, some of you may be saying, Hannah, you don't know what I've lived through. You don't know what I'm living through. You've never walked on this side of the tracks. And listen, my sister, you might be right. But what I do know is that we serve a God who is sovereign. We serve a God 
who is powerful, and we serve a God who holds every possible thing in his hands. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Let's take it to the word. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. How did she arrive at the conclusion that power was not only what Jesus had or did, but it was the very essence of who he was? It was his physical being. What magnitude of revelation was this, that if she could only get a hold of one of his threads, that healing would be hers forever? She risked shame and humiliation in pursuit of the one true healer. This woman had spent money on physicians. She had done probably a million different things to try to remedy her illness, but none of it worked. She heard about this Jesus and she was willing to risk it all because her suffering and her trauma was great, but her faith was even greater. What had happened to her, her past, could not hold a candle to what her future would be if she could just touch Jesus. She didn't have to sit on the couch and have a long counseling session with him. She didn't have to set up her sessions in advance and and go, you know, and and see Jesus for a year or 3 months or 6 months. She didn't have to make sure that Jesus took her insurance policy. She didn't have to pay him anything. But she was convinced somehow even after the enormity and, and the force of the crowds, once she she managed to go out, she risked this humiliation of going out into the crowds. Even after she saw how difficult this was to get, get on Jesus's schedule, if you will, she was still convinced that, listen, if I can't talk to him, if I could just, uh, a, a touch, a touch would do. I, I, he doesn't even have to look at me. If I could just put my fingertips on him, that's going to be enough to set me free. That woman in her suffering and in her desperation touched the hem of Jesus's garment. And listen to this, everything changed. I love what Jesus did in this moment. There were tons of people around him and he said, who touched me? The moment that she touched him, he said, who touched me? And his disciples, you know, they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, come on. What do you mean who touched you? At this point, who isn't touching you? We're like shoulder to shoulder. We're bumping into people. Everybody's touching everyone. But he knew this touch was different. He knew the motives were different. He knew the heart was different. He knew the cry was different. And he said, no, I felt power come out of me. Who touched me? And he already knew, obviously, who it was but he wanted her to come forward and say it. And she did. And he said to her, he didn't even, he obviously the glory and the praise was his because the the healing came from him. But he said, it was your faith that made you whole. It was your desire, your belief. You're recognizing that all those physicians, all the money, all the remedies, all the the over-the-counter things that you have tried, you came to the realization that I am the one true healer. I am the great physician. So I'm I'm challenging you. I am I'm calling you out, my dear listener. If you could only hold on to that faith, you might not know how, you might not know when, but if you could hold on to that faith and reach out and touch Jesus in faith that he will heal you. Healing is yours. 
Now, how does trauma become our trip up? Trauma separates us. When trauma becomes our trip up, it separates us from responsibility, from accountability, and from progress. So, okay, this thing has happened to us. It's happening to us. But the enemy seeks to capitalize on our trauma by one, making it an idol. We ruminate on it. It is the only thing that we can see. Our identity now becomes altered and we become a student and a slave to this master of trauma. It tells us how to behave, how to look, what is now possible, what is now not possible. Here are some things that trauma says. The first, I am broken permanently. I have bad relationships permanently. I am defiled permanently. I am disadvantaged permanently. I can never do or be blank because of blank. And you fill in the blank as it applies to your situation. Trauma gone wrong says, I have an excuse not to try. And I have an excuse to make poor choices or my poor choices are justified because this happened. Because someone did something to me. My sister, healing takes time and the right environment. But my question is this. What happens in the event that the environment is never quite right? Do we continue to wait? Do we have a responsibility over the variable, which is ourself, that we can, in fact, control? My charge to you is to define your trauma, but don't allow your trauma to define you. Just one touch and one word from God Almighty will heal. One touch will erase the past. There is grace in the wilderness. God is the only one who gives sentences, not trauma, not past mistakes, not your family name, not your race or your gender, but God, he is the one who gives sentences. God spoke the world into existence and he is the one who gives and takes away. He has the final say. In order to navigate the muddy waters of trauma, we have a responsibility. We could sit in a a sense of hopelessness when we constantly think about what has happened to us and how we wish that it didn't happen to us and how we would be so much better off had things gone this way or that way. Once the sin is committed, once the trauma is committed, there is nothing that can be done about the fact that it happened. And that's a painful pill to swallow. How ideal would it be? How safe would it be? How comfortable would it be if we didn't have to experience some of the horrific things that we experience? But when we live in such a crushed and crooked world, it is inevitable. It is not okay. It is not right. Sin is wrong. It is sin, but it does happen. So then I say, what next? How do we move forward? We have a responsibility to work on ourselves. We are the only variable that we can work on. Again, I can't speak to every specific situation. Some of you may be permanently locked into a traumatic situation. What do you do? I think of Paul in the New Testament 
he was he caused major trauma to people before his conversion. He was the trauma producer. And then after he had his conversion and he turned from his sin and his wickedness, he then became the one that was persecuted, prison time and beatings and flaggings and all sorts of things. And he continued to press on and preach the gospel. But the word talks about some sort of condition, some sort of affliction that Paul was living with. And the Bible doesn't go into clear specifics, but he was being tormented by the enemy. And it was just like this one thing that he would pray about over and over and over again. And the Lord would not take it away. The Lord only responded and said, my grace is sufficient for you. I want to be very clear because I hear this come up time and time again. I'm not speaking right now to individuals who are living in very, very dangerous and volatile situations. Please don't get me confused. But I am talking about, well, before I even go on, I want to say to you, if you're able to seek out help and counsel, godly counsel, if you're able to seek out help, then you move forward and do what you have to do to remain safe. But I am speaking about those of us who long after the event has happened, long after the traumatic situation has ended, we are still arrested in our minds and in our spirits by the enemy with tormenting thoughts, with lying thoughts and agreements that we are struggling to get past. I'm talking to those of us who, because of those horrific things that have happened, we now have become toxic to other people. We now have become toxic in our circles. We now walk in a, a, a sense of entitlement for our sin. We are justifying our sin because of what happened. Or we may be stuck in blaming and shifting the blame as opposed to finally turning the mirror, looking at ourselves and taking care of the mess in our own homes. That's what I'm talking about. This isn't about somehow becoming numb to the feeling of trauma. That isn't the goal, nor is it reality. As I mentioned before, we feel we're human, but this is about identifying how we graduate from feeling to perpetually abiding in the pit of trauma and hence that trauma becoming our trip up. As we dwell in this pit, the enemy will have you to believe that you have a right. You have a right to suffer in emotional anguish. You have a right to give up. You have a right to be bitter. You have a right to never forgive them. You have a right to isolate. You have a right to harm other people or even yourself. You were wronged, remember? You didn't deserve that, remember? But as I shared earlier with the Lord and Paul, the Lord says, and this is for you, my dear listener, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I will give you joy for your mourning. I will give you grace in the wilderness. I know your frame and that you are dust. You're human. My joy will come in the morning. Wait on me and be of good courage and I will strengthen your heart. Vengeance is mine. Rest in me and wait patiently for me. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. 
It is not by your might or your power, but by my spirit. Ladies, we overcome because of the grace of God and we overcome the ramifications of trauma because of the grace of God. I believe we should probably do a part two to this podcast today. So perhaps we'll explore that next month. I want to apologize. I just realized that I left my heater on in the background. I'm here in the office and there's kind of a staticky sound. I hope that that's not too distracting for you, but it is what it is, ladies. It is snowy here today in the Northeast and it's pretty cold. So I have my heater going and that's the kind of sound that you're hearing. So If you all have not already done so, please consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast so that other women might also find the value that is here. So in closing, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as the one true healer. Father, we don't know the things that this life holds, and sometimes we cannot understand why we have walked through the valleys that we've walked through. Lord, we Sometimes don't understand why you have allowed some of the things that have happened, but God, we choose to trust your word as truth. We choose to trust you as the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, you see the areas in our hearts that are wounded. You see the scars, you see the bruises, you see the infection. Lord, we need your touch. We need your healing. We believe that you are God of the impossible. And so today in our weakness, in our frailty, we simply reach out in faith and we touch. Lord, we also realize that we have a responsibility to be yielded in obedience to what you have told us we need to do. Give us the strength to obey what you have asked us to do so that you can fully and freely do what you need to do on our behalf. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Until next time. That's it for today, but the journey continues. Visit she'smark.com for more episodes, to make a donation, or to check out the Mark Life blog. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, tell a friend, and consider leaving a review. Remember, the word tells us that many are called, but few are chosen. As you go through this week, remember to walk as children of light.